not just a belief of mine. It's a real knowing. Knowing that we can take what we love to do, whether it's baking, sewing, painting, whatever lights you up, then we can take that skill and make a great income doing exactly what we love to do. As author of What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60, Discovering Your Core and Also Your Gift Is Your Niche, it has been my life's work to help others, just like you and me, to discover passions, your purpose, powerful messages that you only you have so they can make the difference they were put here to make. Every week I will have deep, rich conversations with real life people that believe just like me. And here's what they believe. When you do what you love in a career, you will never work another day in your life. And this is the way I like to say it. When passion, purpose, and profit collide, that is when you get paid for being you. I'm Patricia Noldrain. Welcome to the podcast, When Passion Meets Profit. Hello, and today I'm talking about a subject that might surprise you, actually. You're on a podcast, and the name of this podcast is When Passion Meets Profit. And today I'm having a conversation with Morgan Reza about homeschooling. (laughs) Okay, it doesn't seem to match, but guess what? It's going to be one of your favorite conversations that you've ever heard, and it certainly is my privilege to be on with her. Now, homeschooling, by the way, was at three point, let's see, I want to look at my notes, 3.3% according to the Census Bureau. That was 10 years ago. Well, we just all went through a pandemic, didn't we? And guess what? It's now at 11.1%. I feel so bad for these moms out there that are having to deal with homeschooling and they didn't know they would ever have to do that and they don't know how. I'm talking with Morgan today because she is a person that has been doing it her entire life with her children. And so I'm going back to the gold mine, Morgan. So welcome to the call, Morgan Reza. Thank you. Yeah, I'm anxious to get really get in with this, Morgan, because I'm I'm really anxious to find out how you decided to do this. But before I do that, I want to go all the way back what that I do with all my guests actually, and I ask them, what were you like as a little girl? So as a little girl, I grew up in Houston, Texas, well, just outside, and we were surrounded by refineries, which meant I was surrounded by blue-collar workers, and that gave me a fiercely independent spirit. I am also a quiet leader, always doing my own thing and reinventing myself, learning new skills and subjects. Yeah, you know, when you say reinventing yourself, it's so funny because I do this live event. Well, I certainly don't now during a pandemic, but I, it's called the Reinvention Convention. And people loved it because they're always reinventing, especially if you are an entrepreneur. You're always restating, reinventing, reassessing, reestablishing. It's just the way that it is. I find that fun that you did that as a child and that you knew that as a child. Yes. Well, for sure, looking back, I can see where I would start babysitting clubs or writing projects or studying fashion to raising animals to drill team to tutoring. It was all over the place, but I liked the spice that it gave my life. Oh, that did give spice to your life, didn't it? You know, I I think we all take this journey in our career and some of us... um, 
our entrepreneurial journeys. You might, I didn't even know I was an entrepreneur. I didn't know the, the word existed, but I now see that I've been one my entire life, even though I did what most people did also. It's kind of like what you did, take a traditional path. But tell us about your path, your journey. So I went to school to be a teacher. I got my bachelor's degree in education with a focus in elementary and then went on to get my master's degree in literacy education. From there, I taught first grade for 10 years, but during that time, I did some work with middle school and then at our community college. Yeah, that's cool. I, I love that traditional path. That's not traditional, Morgan. That means that you're really smart. You got this <laughs> master's degree. I pretend a lot of times people are saying, well, what are you up to today? Well, I'm working on my master's. Who's going to check? I'm not working on my master's. I just think it's fun to say it. But you said you got a master's in literacy education. Tell me what that means. So just a focus on teaching reading. Oh, yeah. Okay, awesome. Okay, so now I'm anxious to find out how long you taught and how did you get on this path of homeschooling? So the first five years, I taught at a low-income school that had predominantly Title I funding, which is tied to state funding as well as national funding. So I did that. And then the next five years, right after I had my son, I taught at an affluent school, hmm. both public schools, but one just a little bit more affluent. Yeah. So did you notice a difference in the children's attitudes maybe, or, or levels of experience between an affluent school and one that wasn't? So I did notice a huge difference in levels of experience. The first group of kids may not have left our small town. They may not have even gone to the roller rink, which was in walking distance of their house. Oh. So museums, zoos, big ticket things that were 30 minutes away in Houston were not available to them. Whereas mm. when I taught in a more affluent school, these kids went on European vacations mm. and such. Yeah. It's called the privileged, isn't it? And sometimes even when you're one of the privileged people, because I was talking to one of them yesterday and she said, I had no idea that everybody, I thought everybody went to Europe every year. I thought everybody had a swimming pool in their backyard. And she said, uh, really, when you grow up like that, you don't know that you're one of the privileged people until you get out there in the real world and you have to make your own way. And I thought, isn't that a fact? I mean, you just surround yourself with like-minded people. So I, I do feel sorry for people that don't have those experiences. And, and you can have your own experiences. You just have to have creativity to do that. So that makes me... I'm, well, I'm glad you saw both sides, actually, Morgan. But let, let's let's go to this next step of, of how in the world, you know, having taught for 10 years, tell me the rest of that story, how you got to this homeschooling. So about the time my oldest should have started kindergarten, we made a big family decision to move to Idaho. My husband took a job here in Boise that moved us from Houston to Idaho. And this entire time of my son's childhood, I thought I was handpicking the kindergarten teacher that would be right down the hall from me 
and that did not work out. So on our move here, I did go and visit the schools, like all public schools at that time. There was overcrowding, large classrooms full of kids. So I just decided I will homeschool. Idaho is a free state, meaning they do not have a lot of regulation on their homeschoolers. So I thought it's kindergarten. I can do this myself. (laughs) I've never thought that ever. (laughs) Even though I'm a school teacher, I would never have thought that. But as I've told you in the past, I I feel very selfish. When I first met you, Morgan, I, I thought that isn't the most unselfish person on the planet that she is homeschooling her children because I would, I just loved getting my kids ready for school. It was fun because I had the rest of the day to do whatever I wanted to. Have you ever felt like that? Oh yes. There's some days that I see the yellow bus go by and I'm like, you could be on that bus. (laughs) And if you're not nice, you're going to be on that bus. (laughs) Well, I happen to know Morgan's children and they are truly You would never even think in a minute that they were homeschooled because they're so communicative. They're so at ease with themselves and with other adults. And so, Morgan, tell me, tell us all about your children and who they are and how old they are. So currently, my son is 15 and he is all about bass fishing right now. He actually ended up winning with his fishing partner, winning the Idaho State Bass Fishing Championship. (laughs) He is going to South Carolina in June to compete at a national level with other bass fishing high school kids. And so that takes up a lot of his time and a lot of that's completely what drives his interest. And then I have my daughter. She is 13 and she is an entrepreneur at heart. This girl is always creating and always selling something. (laughs) She is. (laughs) So right now, well, she has a small baking business that she does, and she is beginning to start a handmade goods business. She got a new sewing machine, and she has some projects lined up. Wow. You know, it's so sad to me. I just want to say this little piece. I'm writing an article about it right now, but it's called Follow the Yellow Brick Road. We all did. We all followed it. And we did all the traditional things that we were supposed to do. We went to school. We graduated. We got a J-O-B. We tried to figure out how we were going to pay for a mortgage now that we have that. Oh, that's right. We're going to have children. And now we're going to have two children. Now what do we do? Now we really have the handcuffs on because we've got to figure out a way to make money so that we can have a nice lifestyle. So we then stay at a job maybe for 10, 20 years and and, uh, come to find out we then can retire to be told that now we can do whatever we want. But we're too old now and we don't have the desire that we had before. So I think, Morgan, why I've always loved homeschooling is because the focus is on those children and what it is they like to do best. And I hear it with your son when you're talking about him being a bass fisherman. He's a he's a true outdoorsman, isn't he? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, just tell his story a little bit about the outdoorsman, because what would be sad is for a person like Hayden to then have to go into a cubicle to make money for, for eight hours, come home to the family. And, and I'm telling you, this is 
the American dream. And that, that's what the whole picture is about. So tell everybody about Hayden. So Hayden really drove our homeschooling journey because he was the first. He's also all boy and very active. And so my goal in homeschooling my kids was for them to have this self-discovery and to know themselves and know what they wanted to do with their lives. So when he was five, that looked like he wanted to go hiking and go to the park and go to the river and those type of things, which are age appropriate with supervision. And slowly it evolved into archery hunting as well as 3D archery shoots that they have here. And next it moved into fly fishing, which is very popular in this area and then tying his own flies there was a good solid year when there was feathers all over our schoolroom <laughs> and then it moved into bass fishing and it started with rigging his bicycle so he could hit the local ponds when he wanted to i'm really loving this conversation aren't you but i want to talk to those of you who want to go deeper We all attended school at some time. Maybe you're attending school right now, but inside those schools are teachers that have the responsibility to teach certain courses. But what they don't teach is really the most important thing in life, self-discovery. You know the self-discovery that would help us know what we are supposed to do in a career, and also that self-discovery on how we're supposed to make an income to really take care of our families. Well, I decided a long time ago, it's time for me to share what I know so I can help somebody with a step-by-step process that anybody can follow. I created a digital downloadable course called Your Gift is Your Niche because people were asking me all the time, Patricia, what's my niche? And I'd always say, your gift is your niche. So now I created a course called yourgiftisyourniche.com and I spell niche with an N-I-C-H-E And in this very affordable, life-changing course, I walk you through very simple exercises. They'll not only help you find your unique gifts, but they'll also show you how to monetize your talents and skills. You know, the ones you came into this world with. I'm so glad I created something that I don't don't think, I know it's going to be able to help you in your self-discovery journey because it's a simple six-hour course with action sheets that support everything that I'm saying in the course. And you also get my wonderful book, What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60? That's going to help you also with different exercises in that book. I'm also glad I made it into what I call an SPL course. That's a self-paced learning because we all learn in different ways and at different times. I cannot wait for you to get to know the most important person in your life that's you. So go to yourgiftisyourniche.com, N-I-C-H-E. And if this page speaks to you, then seriously, invest in you. It's time to claim your destiny. Now let's get back to the conversation. To getting a kayak that strapped to the top of my car and (laughs) then moving to us getting a bass boat that him and his dad could fish out of. And then now we also have, because a bass boat is more expensive and now he's driving, we have an aluminum boat that he can take to the lakes. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And you said such a key point. You said self-discovery. They're on a path of self-discovery. That is the one thing that is so missing in our school system it, that it makes me very sad. Now, as a school teacher myself, I taught second grade and I loved every single moment of it. But I had almost a child a day come up and say, Mrs. Drain, I, I don't know what to be when I grow up. And, and I'm kind of getting scared. And I'd say, honey, don't worry, you're in the second grade. You don't have to worry about that at this point. Oh, yes, you do. And you have to be very observant of these children and help them with their self-discovery in the first and second and third grade, because that's where they're formulating everything about their life. The sad part, Morgan, is that you take a child like Hayden that you just described so beautifully and you know how he grew into all of these things. That's who he is. That's who he is at his core is that fisherman and that outdoorsman and that person. And can you just imagine at 18, he graduates from high school. He doesn't want to go to college. I know many, many children like this today and good for him. He doesn't want to go to college. Now, what am I supposed to do? Well, guess what? A child that I just was talking to, he's getting married. He's 19. He's going to get locked in with children and a family and a mortgage, and he's going to be doing something he doesn't like to do for the next 40 years. I so admire you for how observant you are of your children and allowing them to be who it is that they are, but still guiding them. You've been guiding them all along. Have you ever felt uh, sorry kind of for yourself that somebody didn't do that for you? Well, I just feel like it was the times. My husband and mm -hmm. I have lots of conversations about that. Our generation was told, you know, go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a degree, and then you will have a job for life and mm -hmm. you will make money and you will be able to support your family. There wasn't this thought in making sure that it was the right job for you and your how you were wired, basically. So I think that is something new. Also, a lot of the jobs... And it will continue to be this way. A lot of the jobs are were not even thought of. We're not even an idea mm -hmm. when I was graduating. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that he as well. I do too. I, I totally agree. And and once again, not knowing. My, my dad worked at the post office for 50 years. I mean, <laughs> and I, I remember him always saying to me, who are you? And why do you talk like that? And why do you think like that? And I didn't even know what he, what he meant. And it's because he was so boxed in for 50 years with the U.S. government that I don't think he had a creative thought in his mind, you know, or thought he even could be creative. So, yeah, yay to the new generation. I love working with millennials. They're 25 to 40. And I love them because they're going to change the way we do business. And what, what is the generation that Hayden's in? Do you know what it's called? Oh, my goodness. We just looked this up. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. I, I'll have to figure that out. I want to get really good at what generation each person is in because it depicts exactly why they think the way that they think. Yeah. Well, here's what I would love to talk about for a second, Morgan, because when I talked to you the other day and asked you if you would ever be on the podcast, you said something so brilliant. Uh, you probably don't even remember <laughs> what it was that I'm going to say, but you said you have to have the end goal in mind yes. because as I'm teaching my children, I want to know what the end goal is. Is it going to be college? Are they going to learn a trade? Are they going to be entrepreneurs? And I have never heard anybody really say that 
about school. You have to have the end goal in mind, what it is that you're you're desiring to do. Talk more about that. So the end goal will look different where your kids are at. So if you're just starting to homeschool and you're enjoying it, then you just ask yourself, you know, what is my end goal? Do I want to do this through elementary school, middle school, high school? But if you're sitting at home with a ninth grader and they're happy to homeschool, then you need to talk to them about what their end goal is. Because I always come back to meeting with my kids one-on-one and we'll do like a review of the year or the season, just depending on how things are going and how busy we've been. Meaning if we're way more busy, then I like to come back and meet more often. So we meet and we discuss what they have enjoyed that they've done and where that is leading them next. So like if you have enjoyed your new baking venture, then where is that leading you? Do you want to learn more skills? Should we look for a class? Do you need more tools? Or do you want to start selling your things? Do you want to look into being at the local farmer's market or more of a custom order system? So it's always, we're always having conversations. I would say that's the majority of our homeschool is discussion. Oh, good. It's the brilliance of those questions that you're asking them that have them constantly self-discovering. And I love that about you. One of the things I I have been anxious to ask you, um, do you belong to a community of other homeschool people? Yes. So I am part of a homeschool support group, which always makes me laugh. But you need these other ladies in your life. So when you're having a bad day, you can say, oh, my goodness, I'm looking at registering my kids for school. You know, which one are we going to? They can talk to you and talk you off the edge if you need it. If you are deciding you're going to do that, that's fine, too. But they can say, hey, what is your why? Why are you doing this? You know, what's going on? And just give you that support. So we meet once a month formally. We meet informally whenever anyone is like, hey, let's go to coffee or hey, let's all meet at the park with our kids. So there's that constant support, which I think is super important. Mm-hmm, I do too. I, and I also think that you, if you're not around other homeschoolers, people don't get you. I mean, they don't understand you. It's like me talking to a maybe a librarian and here I'm an entrepreneur and we don't talk the same language at all, even though we could learn from each other. But I do like the fact that you're in a group like that. Now, when you say, and I, I don't even know how to ask this, Morgan, but this is, this is where my mind is going. Hayden will leave the house someday. Yeah. And so we'll go in. And what do you... What do you think will happen with you? You know, will your purpose be a different purpose completely? Because you're you're very purposefully helping them right now be who they want to be when they grow up. And so I'm just wondering about you. Well, it's funny you ask because that is my husband's question as mm. well. <laughs> and mm. I actually do a lot of other things. So right now I am a yoga instructor. So I'm certified to teach yoga here in Idaho, Um, and I am one of the leaders in our support group, so I believe I will stay with that as long as I feel comfortable. I also 
just love learning new things. So I will find a topic and just dig in on that. As far as starting a coaching business, I have several friends that have talked to me about doing homeschool coaching, and I'm toying with the idea, but I still know that my kids need me right now, so Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of holding on to that on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you have all kinds of ideas in your mind about what you're going to do, and I do think we all should do that. Ask that really important question, what do I want the next chapter to look like? And the next chapter for somebody might be the next 90 days. It doesn't matter. But what do I want it to look like? Because we have the privilege of designing our own future and our own lives. Many of us don't realize that because you're kind of stuck, you know, sometimes in a J-O-B that you don't like. But you really do have ways of even making that job work for you and make you feel good about yourself. But Morgan, as far as other homeschoolers, I mean, I've never seen such a rise in homeschooling and none of us have, you know, but now that the pandemic has hit, people are feeling differently now about everything. And so what advice or points could you ever give somebody that's considering it or that they're homeschooling right now? Well, I was surprised by your numbers as well. I cannot believe there's that many now. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I really think that it's an opportunity to look at it through. It's an opportunity to get to know your kids and to just be a student of your kids first. So that may mean if you're a picture taker, you just take pictures of how they're learning and what's lighting up their eyes. It could be Minecraft and that's okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So just noticing that being a student. Also, if you're a writer, you know, just journaling what you're seeing as far as your kids learning. And I'm not talking about, oh, okay, they learned fractions today, but they really got into science experiment and making the slime and creating that and trying different techniques, those type of things. Um, Big takeaways that I wish everybody would just meditate on, think about, would be there is no educational emergency. So no education emergency. If your kid's not reading, it's okay. There's plenty of time to learn to read. If your kid is not excelling in algebra, it's okay. There is plenty of time to learn that skill if needed. So just taking that breath and allowing yourself to know that it's not an emergency. The other thing I would say goes back to my my teaching, my time in the classroom. Experiential learning is priceless. So if you take time to go to the river and do a nature walk, play in the water as the weather gets warmer, that experience is going to last with your kids so much longer than reading about tide pools or how the frogs grow from tadpoles to frogs. And the last one I want everyone to leave with is relationship first. So you're building a relationship with your kids. They are wired the way they need to be wired. And you are building that relationship with them. You are not molding them to fit into a box. Oh, my God. You're brilliant. You have got to write a book, period. And especially after listening to this podcast and listening to your brilliance. And your brilliance even came out more so when I said, do you have any tips for people? 
So I like to do golden nuggets at the end that I listened to and took away from each podcast and, and interview. And I think I've said it on all of them. I, if I get two to three golden nuggets, I'm just thrilled. So I got 10 from you today. And I want to read them because I, they're, they're just so good. So number one is know yourself well. See, Morgan knew herself that she was a quiet leader, that she was an independent person all, all her life. She knew that. And I think that is brilliant, just knowing yourself, Morgan. The second one is traditional is not always the right path. Because I took it also, Morgan, and I, I just don't feel traditional is for everybody. Your children will not be on a traditional path. Number three, be thankful for what you have at the moment. And that, that came from you teaching affluent versus Title I children. Because even the Title I children, even though we don't have a lot of money and they didn't have a lot, they should still be taught how to be thankful for the fact that they have legs to walk with, feet to be in, you know, that type thing. Number four, don't ever follow the yellow brick road because you have all the answers inside. Number five, know what stage you are in in life. I, I really like that part that you talked about. You know, just know, are you are you here as just a beginner? Are you here just trying it out? But just know what it is. Number six, surround yourself with like-minded community. And I'm, I do that myself. I finally started a group here called the Idaho Women Business Owners because I wanted to be around like-minded women business owners also. It was the best thing I've ever done because I didn't know anybody here. Seven, always know your why. You said that so brilliantly uh, on this podcast, Morgan, but it's the truth. And, and I finally came up with a deck of cards called the wise questions and W-H-Y-S-E questions. And uh, it's because if you don't ask why you want something, you really can't go to the next level of how deep does this go with you? Number eight. I think I'm on number eight. I'm now confused. I don't didn't have them numbered here. Uh, ask yourself your ask yourself this question. This, this one I really like. What is your end goal? That was really a brilliant thing. Whatever whatever part you're playing right now. But then the last three things, because now I think I have eleven. But the last three things you said were it really they were brilliant. There is no educational emergency. Your child will learn to read when your child is supposed to learn to read. Love that, Morgan. Number two, or now I'm on number, I'm so confused with my numbers. Number 10, experiential education is priceless. I mean, I'm telling you, these are books all by themselves, Miss Morgan, that you're going to have to write. And then the third is relationships always will come first. Uh, it truly is how I live my life. The most important thing to me is how deep and how happy and how how respectful a relationship is with my friends, with my colleagues, with my neighbors, with myself. You know, so you really hit on so many wonderful things. I'm sorry, I have no idea how many there were, Morgan, but but you got the point of all your magical golden nuggets that you shared with everybody. I cannot thank you enough for being on this call and sharing your brilliance with us, Morgan. Meet again, everybody. It's Patricia Noldrain, and thank you. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. Hey, if you got something out of this, maybe you'd consider sharing it with someone else that you care about. I want to leave you with a secret to success 
and life and business. Aha, here it is. If you can't share a solution to a problem someone is having, that is true success. Now, maybe these examples might help you. I discovered two major problems that I help solve. I really didn't realize how major they were until I realized no one is teaching this stuff. The first one, of course, goes right back to this podcast. What's my calling? What's my purpose? And that's why I created the digital downloadable course, yourgiftisyourniche.com. I already mentioned it earlier in the episode. But finally, I came up with another problem that I can solve, and it's how to live a happy, long-lived, lasting marriage. Now, I created a book called The Chosen Few, and I share 100 tips that myself and others, other long-lived couples, I might say, put together so that you can have a conversation, especially if you're a committed couple. Now, what is the problem you solve? Think about it. Because you might really have something to share with somebody that will change their life forever. We also have a Facebook group. It's free. I'd like you to come on to it because it goes beyond the podcast. It's called When Passion Meets Profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.